want to start by saying this. Um, for those of you guys who were here two weeks ago, Steve kicked off the What Drives Us series through our core values. Um, Zach had scheduled out all of these teachings in a spreadsheet so me and Zach and Steve could see what was going on. Um, and Steve was supposed to start with the first value in the list, right? That makes sense. Um, and Steve comes in, he's kind of kind of starts setting up the stage for this series. And he starts talking about the core values of our church and how they mean a lot to him personally. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, can't wait to hear this, this teaching from you, Steve. Um, and, and as he's supposed to be talking about glorifying Jesus, and he kind of starts there, and then he kind of starts talking about this, this truth that's always truth, right? And, and then he gets to this verse, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it was at that moment that I realized Steve just stole my teaching, Steve, you are not teaching what you are supposed to be teaching. I'm looking at this. I pulled up the spreadsheet in the middle of it just to make sure I wasn't crazy. Sure enough, Ryan has walk-in truth. Week three, Steve apparently also had walk-in truth. Week one. So afterwards, I walk up to him and I was like, Steve, you stole my teaching. And he goes, what? I was like, you were supposed to do glorified Jesus. And he goes, it would make a lot of sense for me to start with the beginning of the list. So yesterday, I was in, saw Steve's office, and he goes, you're teaching tomorrow, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, on a glorified Jesus, right? And I'm like, yep. And today I told him, I said, dude, I'm going to roast you a little bit, because I can't, you, like, you took that from me. And he's like, well, that's too bad. It's done. What's done is done. So um, even though Steve should have started with glorified Jesus, last week we didn't have group because of all the ice and stuff. Um, so tonight, I'm going to restart us off with glorified Jesus. Um, if you weren't here two weeks ago, we've got that on the podcast. Um, Zach will be teaching next week, um, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, but as we talk about glorifying Jesus, do we have anybody in here who like really likes to study theology or like really likes to dig in and do like some hardcore Bible study? Almost, almost nobody. Um, okay. We're going to do a little lesson tonight. The year is 1646. Don't worry, it's not going to be this dry. Before America was America and all white dudes wore powdered wigs, this thing came into being called the Westminster Catechism. Have any of you guys ever heard of it? A little bit. Okay. The Westminster Catechism um, was developed by this group of church leaders in England and in Scotland, um, basically just trying to develop a class. A catechism is a way to teach people about what the Bible says. If you are in any of our community groups or if you've been discipled at Ecclesia and gone through that packet or if you're a discipleship leader, that is a form of catechism. Um, you are trying to teach people what the Bible says, right? We've got these 66 books. Catechism kind of boils it down into these little, little pieces that, that you can understand and, and to some extent even memorize. And the Westminster Catechism was written, like I said, in 1646 and 47 in a way that people could digest it, right? And the first thing it starts with, it opens up with this question. It says, what is the chief end of man? What is the purpose of humanity? Why do people, why do human beings exist? And this textbook Right? That, that's pretty much what it is. It's a textbook. It's a class on understanding these basic doc doctrines. It answers the question, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think that's a really, really powerful statement. 
right? I think a lot of us, maybe as college students, young adults, or maybe even like at the end of high school, you've kind of asked like, what's my calling? What am I supposed to do with life? Is it college? Is it work? Is it being a missionary in Zimbabwe? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And I don't know the answers to any of those questions, but here's what I do know. As a human being, the chief end, the goal of mankind is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I love the two, the two pieces to that. Glorify God, right? To worship God, to, to honor him, to, to focus on him, all of those things. That makes a lot of sense. But I love the second part as well, to enjoy him forever. If you were at church on Sunday, Steve um, was teaching in Romans. Um, and, and this last week, part of that teaching was that, that through God's creation, his existence is, is pretty plain, Right, it says in verse 19 and 20, it says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they were without excuse. Right, so, so scripture's clear that like if you just look around you, right, God just, or Steve said, Steve is not God, let's not get that twisted. Um, Steve said like, just, just look up. And right now I'm looking at a corrugated aluminum ceiling and that's, that's impressive, but that's probably not part of God's initial design for creation. However, we do see all, like we live in a super beautiful place, right? Like if you don't think so, like move to Louisiana where I'm from and you're gonna be like, oh, it's flat. Like land only goes down in Louisiana. Like there's no hills. There's nothing that goes up, it only goes down. And when you're at the bottom, it still goes down even further. Like New Orleans is literally below sea level. And like, it's got its charm, right? This like Southern charm. But like, I didn't like wake up and look out my window and go like, wow, the fog on the Coburg Hills is amazing this morning. I would look out my window and go like, it looks sticky outside. That's like the general, the general feel in Louisiana in the South. Right, no, God, God created everything and, and, and we are supposed to glorify him and worship him in, in everything that we do. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul writes, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Guys, we have this direction in scripture, this, this command, if you will, where he says, from the most mundane thing to the most spiritual thing, our purpose is making God the focus of our lives, to glorify God. But again, that, that enjoy him forever, I think that gives a different context to the whole thing. Have you guys ever met a famous person? A little bit, Sylvie? Sylvie? So when I was in college, I got to hang out with Lauren Daigle one time, except she wasn't famous then. She was just this girl, Lauren, who didn't make it on American Idol. And like, that's not really a big deal. Like I know, maybe that's a flex. I know quite a few people who like were on American Idol and stuff like that. Um, and, and like, you're just kind of a regular person, right? Unless you're like, unless you're like one, number one or number two, and like, I don't even watch those shows, like, they're just kind of cheesy, if I'm being completely honest. But this girl, Lauren, she was just a girl who could sing really well. And I didn't even know that it was her until like years later, I went back and listened to my friend's CD, it says, featuring Lauren Daigle. And I was like, wait a second. 
there's no way. Yep, sure enough, that was her. And I was like, dude, that was so awesome. I had like donuts with Lauren Daigle. Like, but she wasn't, she wasn't a big deal then. And now it's like it's a, fun, it's a fun story to tell. Like if you ask Zach about the time that he saw Robert Plant, um, the lead singer of Led Zeppelin in Texas, I'm not, it's not my story to tell. So I'm, he's not gonna tell it right now, but it's really funny. Um, maybe you should let Jesse tell it instead. Um, it's, it's great. Um, I think sometimes like that, that can be like a cool moment. Right, I've heard people talk about like, oh, I saw this person at Disneyland, or like, oh, I met this person, or I got backstage passes, or VIPs, or whatever to this, this like, and that becomes like a really big deal. It's a story you tell, and why do you tell it? Because you're excited about it, because like it has an impact, and because other people would appreciate the value that it would bring. When I met Lauren Daigle, she wasn't a big deal. She was just, just some girl, and kind of pointing. To, to the whole, the, the passage in Romans that Steve taught from where, where it says God's existence is, is plain, it's obvious if you just look around and aren't so super closed off to that. And it goes on to say that like, so, so God just kind of allows them to do their thing when they reject him. But if everyone knows about God, but they might not necessarily believe in him or trust in him, but there's this awareness. I've met, I've met quite a few people who like, Hardcore, like, I don't believe in God. There's no such thing as God. There's no existence. But the majority of people that I meet who aren't Christian, who aren't Jesus followers, they believe in something. It might, they might be Jewish. It might be Islam. It, it might be uh, Hinduism or a different, like, organized religion. Or they might just be kind of, like, agnostic and just kind of spiritual. And there's something out there. There's a higher power. There's energy. Like, there's something going on. And I think the, the real reason is that like human beings were created to worship God. That's why we are here. But just like Steve said, like just because we're created to worship doesn't mean we have the accurate object for our worship. So often when we don't worship God, we turn that worship inward or on ourselves or some, some thing or some idol or whatever it might be. But here's what, here's what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 15. I love this. Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Guys, we are, we are friends with Jesus, not slaves, not servants. We are friends with the living God. Is that what we talk about? Guys, this is such a big deal, but spending time in that relationship, developing that, cultivating that, investing in it, seeing it grow into something new, like that brings it to a, new, a whole new level. So if I was like, I hung out and had donuts with Lauren Daigle once, like, oh, that's cool. But if I was like, oh yeah, like we were best friends growing up and like, you know, she's got this massive pool party every year that I like, that's, oh, that's really cool. Like now that's a different story. That's not the case. I haven't spoken to her and. 15 years, um, it's fine. Um, I'm not upset about it. Um, in case you were wondering, we're not friends. There was just this, this moment that like 
cool we met. Jesus, however, calls me his friend. This is not me saying, Jesus, can we please be friends? Or like showing up where I know like Jesus is gonna be. It's like, oh, like I want people to think that like this is a thing. Like it's not me forcing it. It's Jesus inviting us into a relationship. But what does it really mean to glorify Jesus, to glorify this the God who calls us friend? And what's the difference in, in God and Jesus? Like, now we don't have time for a broader lesson on the Trinity tonight, but, but I'll read this verse, Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 18. Talking about Jesus, Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in, in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. All of this is saying, saying that Jesus is not a created being. Instead, Jesus was present and responsible for creation. I think for a long time, I had this kind of like picture of like, right, I believed in like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when I pictured creation, the whole Genesis chapter one thing, and like God spoke into existence, I pictured God the Father doing it, whatever that looks like in my head, like, and Jesus was just kind of standing in the background, like twiddling his thumbs, like maybe like your younger brother who every time it was time to like do chores and clean the living room, like his stomach hurt or he had to go to the bathroom. Like I pictured Jesus is like standing off, not really invested in the creation process. And I couldn't be further from the truth. It says he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth. Visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. So Jesus didn't take a back seat in creation, seeing and witnessing and understanding who God is through, through the, beautiful, the fog in the hills or, or how vast the ocean is when you're on the Oregon coast or like just, just driving around Oregon, you can see so many different landscapes. It's incredible. A couple of years ago, um, Rebecca and I took a road trip. So we went down through California and then across Arizona and New Mexico um, into Utah. We saw like the Hoover Dam. We saw uh, Grand Canyon, Monument Valley, if you know what that is. We went down into Texas. And then we came back up, went through Colorado, saw, God, saw Garden of the Gods. And then we took Interstate 70 from Denver, which goes through like the, maybe the prettiest drive in the entire world through like Telluride and like all, it was, it was beautiful. Rebecca's crying. She's driving I don't know, maybe she's in the restroom. She's driving and she's sobbing. She's like, it's so pretty. And I was like, I mean, it's cool. It's a bunch of rocks. And she's like, but it's pretty rock. And, and I, it really was. It, was. it was beautiful. And then as we start getting back closer to home, we go through Salt Lake City and we, go, we got to drive on the Bonneville Salt Flats and then into Nevada and then back up through Eastern Oregon and then finally we get to Bend, right? When like we've been to Bend, you know, a hundred times and between Bend and home, like through Sisters and, and Sandy and Pass and we see the mountains and like, you know, we've seen 
all these different ecosystems, all these different types of trees and deserts and rivers and forests and, and big cities and, and small towns and Route 66 and all of that, and how diverse that is and how it all points back to creation from a holy and perfect God. Guys, I want you to walk away tonight with this picture that those are the things that Jesus made. Jesus did not stand idly by as, as trees sprung up from the ground and the, and the waters were separated from the land. No, Jesus did that. Jesus was present and involved. From the deepest canyons to the highest mountains, the widest oceans, that God, that Jesus calls you friend. And not only is all of that true, but in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Matthew wrote, says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, right? All of these important names that they would have known in this Jewish culture and society, right? These, these religious forefathers and ancestors, and Jesus said, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood was not re- has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Guys, this is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the founder of the church and the savior of the world. And again, he calls us friends. He alone deserves to be glorified. Like this is the only person that we should ever be worshiping and giving our our effort and our energy to. And yet so many other things catch our attention. It's so easy to get distracted by, by just normal life. David wrote um, so many of the, the Psalms in the Old Testament. And in Psalm chapter 30, verses one through five, this is a Psalm from David. And I think it's got this really, really pretty picture. It says, I will extol you, O Lord. Now, extol means to like praise with enthusiasm. He's like, he's excited. It says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down into the pit. Sing praises to the Lord. O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Guys, David in this psalm is bringing his worship to God. And not in a lazy way, not in like, woo, God, cool. No, guys, he's, he's excited about this. And like the language that he uses, like, now remember, this is, this is like very much Old Testament. This is like warlord culture. Everybody is trying to invade Israel. They've got all the good land. Like they're not just like chilling, watching the Super Bowl, like waiting to see what's going on outside. Like, no, like this is, this is like his life is at stake. 
And when he praises God, he, he comes with this, this deep passion and excitement for God. Guys, he has met God in a tangible way. He has experienced God's love and his power. And in response to that, with songs and with prayers and with actions in the face of adversity, he brings glory and worship to God. In that last line of verse five, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. He might cry and sob all night, but joy comes in the morning. Every morning, Jesus meets us in our reality. Every morning, good day, bad day, hard, or whatever it is, like Jesus is present in that. And as you walk in truth, thanks Steve, but as you walk in the truth that Jesus is God and that he loves you and calls you friend, like that takes us to a place of worship. Jesus, the image of the invisible God. Guys, I think too often it's, it's so easy to, to just get distracted. And um, we, we had this, uh, a staff meeting at, at church uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and Steve just kind of brought to the staff this question, like how can we be praying for you guys? Um, and, and we had some people dealing with some, some heavy stuff and some loss and, and um, family members in the hospital and stuff like that. Um, but it had just been really weighing on me really, really heavily that like since, um, for about the last year now, like once I stepped out of being the youth pastor and stepped into this production role, like it's been really hard for me to find like any consistency with like spending time in the word with God. Like, like I pray to God, like I talk to God, like I feel, feel like God's leading me and, and, and all of those things. But, but it's, it's been really, really difficult for me to kind of separate like, walking with Jesus and like working for a church. And that's like a really unique situation. Um, but if you've like, if you've grown up in a family that's like really, really like involved in the church, like you probably, you might understand what I'm talking about. Like your faith really gets tied into like what, 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 what life is already all like is all about and, and what you're supposed to be doing and those sorts of things. And I was like, I, I want to read my Bible until I have time to. And I find myself in this really weird place and, and I, I started tearing up. Like it was like, I mean, it seems like a really simple thing, but, but I have such this respect for God, this understanding of his creation, who he is, and something like this, some sin is, is in my way and it's preventing me from just wanting to, to commune with God, to sit at his feet, drink from the cup in his hands, just like enjoy that community and communion with a holy and perfect creator. But I don't think that's unique to just like me in this weird kind of like leaving a pastoral role and now I'm like just in kind of this like behind the scenes role. I think that's, that's part of being a Jesus follower. 
right? I think part of walking with Jesus is having seasons where it's really easy to like feel like we're sprinting next to Jesus, right? And like we are so passionate and so excited. And then there's also seasons where our walk with God feels like we've just got blindfolded and we have no idea where he's at. And we're just like, God, what's going on? And we're just kind of like hands out in the darkness. Like you're playing like freeze tag with your eyes closed. Like, I think, I think when, when we're called to glorify God and enjoy him forever, that doesn't mean it's always fun or convenient or easy. And that's what I think David means at the end of this verse. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And this is preceded with the words, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Here's David, right right after that, he's like, it's gonna be dark, there's gonna be tears, it's gonna be hard. Saints, Christians, Jesus followers, people here in this room, people listening, like, sing praises to the Lord and give thanks to his holy name. You know, for the same reason that, that the Westminster Catechism begins with glorify God and enjoy him forever, the core value listed Ecclesia starts with glorifying Jesus. And so often when we, when we make decisions at the church, Steve will literally, like, we've got him up on the wall. I should have taken a picture and posted it. We've got him up on the wall in, in the office, right above the couch, and Steve will point, and he goes, what about that conversation accomplishes those? And he'll point to the wall. And multiple times, that's just caused all of us in the room to just get silent. Not because, not because they don't accomplish that, not because it's not pointing to our core values beginning with glorifying Jesus, but it's really easy to like not make that your thought process, right? It's really easy to just go like, oh yeah, this seems like a good idea. This is a great program to offer. This is a cool event to have, but how does it help us do those? Guys, what, what systems do we have in our lives to point us back to, even in the midst of blindfolded darkness or, or tears in the night, what systems, what, who do we have, what do we have in our lives to point us back to glorifying Jesus? So the worship team's gonna come back up and we're gonna glorify Jesus. I hope that's what you wanna do right now. And if that's not, and you're just kind of like chilling and you're not ready for that, that's fine. If you've got something you need prayer for, we'll have some, some leaders available to just kind of spend some time with you and talk to you and pray with you. Um, but I think it's, it's so valuable to just pause, right? And take time to, to glorify God, to worship him with, with songs and, and, and with prayer and with truth and, and the study of his word and, and all of these different things. So that's what we're gonna do. Would you guys pray with me now?